everybody. Tap your neighbor. Say you look good. It's great to see you tonight. Welcome to the very first of many assemblies. I don't know. Is there any men in the house tonight? Just all night long. That could be the sound. That could be the entrance to heaven right there. He made it. Awesome. Well, hey, I'm excited you're here, man. I'm, I'm so glad to be back. Favorite place in the whole world is Ocean's Church. That's saying a lot. So I was in Maui for a couple of days preaching at a conference, and it takes the Lord sometimes to leave Hawaii. But I thought, man, I'm missing Ocean's Church. I got to speak at a conference with about 800 pastors and really special time. This one church has started over six, they have 600 locations. And uh, I told the Lord, I only want to go travel to places that I can learn, you know, really what they're doing with where Ocean's Church is going. And uh, it was so awesome to be there and excited. Got to go to Idaho and celebrate. Our home church that we were sent out of celebrated 40 years. One church, one city, and my in-laws are still going strong. They send their greetings, and it was just so good to be there celebrating with them for 40, 40, 40 years. I was going to say 40 decades. That would be even more impressive. Um, but, man, I'm so excited to be back. I'm looking forward to the summer. It seems like today summer might have started. We finally got out of, I feel like Seattle just moved out of Los Angeles and Orange County, and we're back to uh, what we're paying for here. So I'm excited you're here tonight. Welcome to the assembly. I hope you're having a good time already. We have food trucks. I was going to say, too, if you want to be a part of the car show, if you have a classic car or a car that you would deem is cool. I use that word loosely. Um, but if you have a vehicle that you think other people would enjoy looking at, this, again, this could be a very dangerous scenario here. We might have a, a whole row of Priuses just lined up. And we will never do the car show again. But uh, if you have a cool vehicle you want to bring, we would love you. Just talk to Joel afterwards. If you have a cool car you want to bring out, we want to stuff the parking lot full of nice vehicles. And uh, it'll be fun. Everyone said amen. amen. So we're going to have Jesus barbecue and some cars on Sunday. Here's my conviction. I think uh, if you want to win a war, you got to have men. You aren't winning no wars without no men. Might get quiet up in the Presbyterian church for a second. But I believe, man, I believe that you got to have some men, and you got to have some men on fire if you want to win a war. I believe that society is only as strong as its families. Families are only as strong as its men and its mothers. And I really do believe that if, thou, if you look at all of the problems in our society, the majority of them stem from the lack of healthy men. You look at the correctional systems in our, in our state, in our nation, the one commonality, the majority of those that are incarcerated, I think it's over 85%, they were raised without a father. Without father figures, men get angry and women get promiscuous. And I believe that we're living in a day and an hour that we need men that are on fire for God. Men that know how to win in the world. Men that know how to represent Jesus well, but men that have a, a bold, bold faith in God. And so we were talking about, man, what are we going to call this? The women have a collective. I'm like, we're, we have an assembly. Assembly. And I said, you seen that Striper album? 
1985 to hell with the devil. I was like, do a graphic like that, Jordan Younger. And there we are right there, the assembly. And God, we trust. Hey, if you have your Bibles tonight, we're going to grab them open. If you're new tonight, my name is Mark, and my wife and I have the privilege of calling Oceans Church our home church. We've had the privilege of leading Oceans Church since the uh, inception of it. 2018, we started with a uh, U-Haul, which is the official sponsor of hell. We uh, moved down here with a U-Haul truck. And 2018, September 16th, we launched Oceans Church. And it's been a wild ride. And again, why is it taking four years to do a men's event? I don't know. But here we are. Praise God. We have a lot of good men's small groups. And so it's fun to get the big assembly together. And this is just the beginning. If you believe it, come on, can I get a hey? All right, there we go. There it is. I thought it'd be cool tonight, appropriate tonight. We have so many amazing fathers, grandfathers, amazing sons. And I want to just again shout out to Brad, the courage that it took. For him to say, you know what, I'm going to be the man that I want to be for my family, for my son, for my wife. Come on, give him a good hand clap tonight. Really proud of Brad. Might not know that. Brad was a, a professional BMX bike rider. And so uh, don't sleep on Brad. He's a good bike rider. Come on. But I'm excited tonight. If you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to jump in. I, I do have a word, a message I've been kind of chewing on, been thinking about David a lot. David was a... David was a, a pretty interesting, I, I would say in, in many ways, one of the most famous human beings that have ever lived. If, uh, if David was alive today, he'd have more followers than Justin Bieber. He would, uh, he'd be more desirable to read his literature, his books, than, than your favorite business guru. Uh, and I just love the fact that David, we, we know, mentioned over 600 times in the Old Testament, over 60 times in the New Testament, he was actually, he was living in the Bronze Age, which was a pretty, pretty masculine window of history to be a man. You want to talk about being a guy in, in a crazy window of history, try being a king in the Bronze Age. And this guy was the second king of Israel. We know there's 39 kings in Israel's history. There was one queen. But David was such an exceptional man, exceptional king, exceptional worshiper of God, that it basically from that, from that person on, every good king in Israel was connected to being a son of David. Yeah. You guys have, is there a ringing out there too? Yeah. Can we get rid of the ringing? Is that, is that possible? Thanks, guys. Is every good king is connected to David? Every bad king is connected to somebody else? But I love the fact that David, again, say it with me, David. Yeah. He was a father. He was a son. And we know that David would go on to actually raise the wisest, wealthiest man in history. We know that David was probably born out of wedlock. The Bible says that he had seven older brothers. He was the youngest of eight boys. And actually, when Samuel came to his house, he said, are these all your children? And he's like, no, there's one more, the youngest. And the word that's used in the original language for youngest means insignificant. David was the black sheep of his family. I don't know if some of you can relate to this, but David was the black sheep of his family, and uh, the word used is insignificant. Are you with me? I want to talk to you tonight at our first men's gathering about this idea, winning at what matters. I want you to write it down if you're taking notes. If you're not taking notes, write this down. Winning at what 
matters. Winning at what matters. Does anybody like to win in here? Can I get a hey? That was an appropriate hey spot right there. Winning at what matters. If you have your Bibles, we're going to look at uh, David, one of his greatest feats in his life, conquering Goliath. Let's begin reading 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're going to read a little bit of a familiar story from your Sunday school experience. It says this in 1 Samuel chapter 17, where we starting at, guys, verse 34, is that right? Throw it up on the screens for me. Do we got that? It says this, uh, is it verse, th- verse 34? But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. So we know the story. They're in the, v- the valley of Elah. There's a nine-foot, almost giant. He's taunting for not, not five weeks, not four weeks, six weeks. An entire nation is paralyzed with fear. This guy gets up and he says, if you beat me, everyone in my nation will serve you. But if I beat your warrior, everybody in your nation will serve us. So we know the backdrop here. It's a wild backdrop. And in verse 34, David's convincing the king. He said, king, listen to me. Your your servant, he used to keep his father's sheep. When the lion or the bear came in and took one of them, I would actually, I would grab the sheep from his mouth and when the lion and the bear came, I would take my slingshot and I would kill the, 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 the lion and the bear. He says, and he goes on, he says, verse 36, your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing that he's defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the lion, the, or excuse me, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear, will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said, go, and the Lord be with you. Also, he has a lot of courage there in his words. Go ahead, buddy. Good luck. Goes on, and it says, and a few verses later, notice this verse. So he goes down there, and they start, they start trash talking. And, and Goliath is mocking David for being a boy, having some sticks. And David prophesies what he's going to do. Not only what is he going to do, how he's going to do it, and when he's going to do it. And he says, I'm going to strike you. I'm going to remove your head from your shoulders. That's where head and shoulders came from. And this day, I'm going to give your carcass to the camp of the Philistines, the birds of the air, the wild beast. Now, this is where I got the name for our, we're coming up here on the name of our group, our, our band here today. Come on, Striper. And I'm going to give it to the air and to the wild beast of the earth that all the earth may know that there was a God in Israel. Then all this assembly... What assembly? This assembly. Then all this assembly shall know that there is a God who saves, not with sword or spears, for the battle belongs to the Lord, and he's going to give you into my hands. I love it. It says that he ran at that moment, approached him, did exactly what he said, and when he did it, took the head off the shoulders, and in verse 52, now the men of Israel and Judah arose After David did these things, they arose, they got up. Say with me, they got up, they shouted, and they pursued their enemies. And it goes on, it says, they ended up not only pursuing their enemies, they plundered their tents. And I believe this, and I could just feel this prophetically in my soul, that God is raising up a generation of Davids. That maybe no one else in your family has killed the giants. No one else in your family has ever conf- con- combated the, the alcohol addiction, the quitting attitude. I heard it said from Vince Lombardi that winning is a habit, but 
Unfortunately, so is losing. And I'm, I'm telling you tonight that our God is a winner. One of the reasons why I believe in Jesus Christ is I hate losing. Why would you serve anything but Jesus? Why would I live for any power than the most high? And I'm telling you that I know the future and our God wins. Can I get an assembly? Hey. And so tonight, I love that. <laughs> I need you on Sunday to come back with that, okay? I need, a, I need us, everyone, just to recognize this and pray that I'm convinced that David was a winner. He actually lost in many areas of his life. Ended up having kids that were pretty dysfunctional, a family that was fragmented, actually slept with one of his employees' wives, made some pretty atrocious mistakes. But the one thing I love about David is when, the, when it pertains to the Bible, none of, his, none of his failures are recorded as his feats. The Bible, the New Testament, doesn't record any of the failures in Hebrews chapter 11. I love the fact in the eyes of heaven, as far as heaven's concerned, David won at what mattered. Are you hearing me tonight? And I'm going to talk to you about this idea, winning at what matters. We're going to look at David. You guys ready to go? Lord, we love you tonight so much. We thank you for what you're doing in Orange County. We thank you that you have a deep love for every man, every father, grandfather, and son in this room. I ask you tonight, Lord, this wouldn't just be a Bible lesson. It wouldn't just be a Bible study. We ask you that the God that we're reading about would come into this room. We ask you this would not only be a Bible study, it would be a God encounter. Father, I pray you would heal hearts. I pray that you would touch bodies. I pray you would break addictions. I pray that you would take some of the heads off of our giants tonight. I pray that as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. So we honor you tonight. We bless you tonight. In Jesus Christ's name, and someone that loves the night shouted a good amen. amen. I love winning. I, I have a hard time starting new hobbies because I don't like not being good. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And it's kind of a weakness, but I'm trying, I'm trying. I want to get into like, I want to get better at golf. It's a, it's a, it's a good sport. I like golf because you can play it until you're 110 competitively. It's one of the few sports. It's like golf and curling that you can play until Jesus returns. Pickleball's up there. But I, I, love, I love the idea of getting better, but I've, I have a hard time starting because I, I hate the way it feels when you're like, I think I'm getting it, and then you golf, and you're like, I'm not getting this. I don't like what it feels like to be at a driving range for two hours, and you're like, I got this dialed in, and then your buddies show up on the course, and you're like, who are you? Where did your skills go? It's embarrassing. I don't, like, I don't like that feeling of not being uh, coordinated, not being capable. I think God put a desire in every, every one of us as his sons. And this is what was so cool tonight. As I was worshiping, I just heard the Lord saying, that this room, Mark, it's full of my sons. You know what's so cool? Whether you're 90 or you're 19, you're God's son. I just thought that was such a cool thought. We're, we're in a room full of God's sons. And I was thinking about this, though. God's sons, I, we're wired. We, we like to win. We don't like losing. None of us. I, I, I tell you right now, no one, you live in Orange County especially, you're not interested in losing. You can't afford to be lazy in Orange County. Loser mentalities will get you kicked out of this state quickly. you got to have a competitive edge. you got to have this desire that I'm like, man, I don't want to lose. I, I don't like losing. I, I think that winning's a, winning's something I want to do, but... I'll be very honest with you. I was talking to my friend Jesse as we were driving here tonight, and I have this deep conviction that many people in Orange County are winning, 
But many people are, are winning, but they're not winning at what matters. They're not winning at what matters. There's, there's a lot of things that we can measure. We can measure checking accounts. We can, we can measure the square footage of our house, the zero to 60 times of our vehicles. We can measure our kids' GPAs. Are you hearing me tonight? There's a lot of measurable things. We can measure the carrots of our wife's diamond ring. We can measure our IQ. Are you hearing me? We can measure, we can measure a lot of things. There's, there's things, uh, shoe size. We can, measure, uh, we can measure how many degrees that we've, we've achieved and, and earned. And all those things are great. But I was just thinking about when it comes to God, are there certain things that God values us winning in more than other things? Because David, our, our, our key figure tonight, he models to us that he, he lost in some pretty significant areas. But he's still deemed a man after God's own heart. Still deemed as a man that was perfect and served the Lord in his generation. Acts 13 says David served the purpose of God in his generation. That Greek word is only used one time in all of the Bible, and it actually means to be an under rower. It means to be a subordinate. It's the idea of the old books, the old boats, that the the power of the ship came from those below the deck that were actually rowing. And David was great because he served God's purpose as someone that was underneath being willing to be a servant leader. Serve the purpose of God in his generation. And I was thinking about this idea of winning and losing. Truth is, some things I don't care about winning in. People, some, I was in Australia, and they're like, hey, did you hear who won the cricket match? And I'm like, I have no idea. But the only thing that matches my, my knowledge of this is my interest in not being in it. I have no interest in who wins the cricket match. I have no idea the rules of cricket. Doesn't matter to me. Watching the bowling. You're, you're, anybody else surprised at what makes it on ESPN? It's like, like two hours of cornhole on the other day. I'm like, look, I like cornhole, but I don't like watching it. I saw like a fishing tournament. I'm like, the only thing boring, more boring than fishing is watching it on TV. I'm like, my, I like fishing, but it's, it's something you got to do. Can I get an amen? You got to do it, not watch it. I don't want to watch it. I want to do it. I'm telling you, some stuff is like, man, watch bowling on television. This doesn't do it for me. I was thinking about, man, there's things that you just, you just, uh, you watch and you, you look at, and they just really don't, like, I don't know, they don't have your attention. Say it with me, don't matter. I'm not saying they don't matter in general. I'm just saying your interest determines what matters to you. So I was thinking about, I read this, uh, one of my mentors said when he was in college, he did this prolific paper, and he got his, he got his paper back. It would actually determine his grade for the semester, and his professor was one of his favorite teachers, and on the top of his paper, he said this excellent research, incredible stories, beautifully written, grade F. Underneath F, he said this, wrong assignment. Wrong assignment. And I was thinking about, in the grand scheme of our lives, that, man, some of us are doing great research. Some of us are building great businesses. Some of us have some incredible families. We have a beautiful life, but we're not living for the right assignment. Um, the good news is it's not a major tweak sometimes. Sometimes it's a minor tweak. But I want you to know that I'm convinced that David served the purpose of God in his generation because he won at what mattered. The only thing worse than losing is winning at what doesn't matter. Can I get a good amen? I want to win. I know many of you, you want to win in your marriage. Amen. 
You want to win with your kids? That's where I want to win. I want to be famous in my own family. I want those that know me the best to respect me the most. It's easy to impress strangers. We live in a world with fake facades. I want those that know me the best to have the nicest things to say about me. Like, I'm not saying it's, it's wrong to get stuff. It's, it's wrong to win in business, to have a great company, have a great life. But I do believe that many people in Orange County are missing heaven by about 11 inches. They have a mind that's excellent, but they don't have a heart that's surrendered. God is an elective credit, not a main course, not a main, not a main core class, faction of life. I was thinking about this. I don't want to miss all these great things in life because I'm winning at what doesn't matter. I was thinking about winning. Winning is a result, as you know, of hard work, organization, great people skills, the willingness to continue learning, confidence, and committing to all the, our works, committing all of our works to God's hands. God blesses our efforts. Can I get an amen? amen. Not our wishes. We want a table or a chair. He gives us a tree. Can I get an amen? amen? God gives some of things to us to do. God didn't kill Goliath for David. God gave David the skills that he needed to actually be the person that needed to kill that giant. And I believe that many of you have giants in your family that dad or grandpa didn't want to deal with. Giants that dominated your family lineage. People that never got out of the pathological lying or cheating or divorce or, or, or compromise. And I really felt tonight, if we're going to do something great for our families, let us be the men that kill the giants that no one else in our lineage has dealt with. I believe that God is raising up a generation of giant killers. David was mistaken as being arrogant because he knew what he was supposed to kill. His brother said, you're so cocky, you're so arrogant. He says, no, is there not a cause? And I was thinking about, man, in this day and age that we live in, we have to live for the right cause. You can make a lot of money but miss heaven. You can make a lot of impressions with friends and miss Jesus. You can, speak, you can speak Greek and miss God. You can speak Hebrew and not know Him. There's a lot of capabilities in life that we could be going after things, winning in areas that don't matter when it comes to eternity. How do we get heaven and earth thrown in? C.S. Lewis says if we aim at heaven, we'll get this earth thrown in. If we aim at earth, we'll miss both. And we have a lot of people that are missing both the next life and this life because they're only aiming at the temporary. I want to give God a reason to keep me alive. I want to do something that reverberates not just 60 or 70 years, but makes a difference in eternity. I believe that, come on, 4,166 people getting baptized in one day. That's the kind of stuff that rattles around for a few millenniums in eternity. God is looking for men like David, know how to pray, know how to love, know how to fight, even if we've been sinful. God's looking for people like David that know how to have some skills. We know that some of the, the, the biography of David was he was listed as a skillful man in playing his harp. Notice that it was worship that brought him into the palace, not his weapons. The first invitation David had to meet the king was not because of his sling. It was because of his harp. And I'll tell you that if you want kids that do great exploits, be a worshiper. You want kids that succeed in life, in ministry, in business, be a worshiper. 
The one thing we know about Solomon is that he was the wisest, wealthiest. What do we know about his dad? His dad was a worshiper. And we know that maybe the greatest criteria of what made David who he was wasn't his sling skills, wasn't his harps, uh, excuse me, wasn't his sling skills, even though it lists him as a man of war, prudent in speech, a man of valor, handsome. Can I get an amen? We got something in common here. He was handsome. It says the Lord was with him. It says that he loved his sheep. He was the king's armor bearer, and he was a pizza delivery boy. Bread and cheese. His father sent him to the battle lines with some grain, with some bread, and with ten cheeses. He was a pizza delivery boy. You didn't know that about David. David heard a conversation about this Philistine that was mocking God's people. And he heard someone say, if you kill that guy, you know what will happen for you? You'll get rich. You'll get the king's daughter. You'll marry a princess. And you will be exempt from taxes the rest of your life. He said, what was that last thing you said? And we know that he approached the king. I love this. David, who was a dysfunctional family member. We know that he had a dysfunctional family. Dad forgot about him. Psalms 51 says that in sin I was conceived. That he was a, probably a byproduct of an affair. That's why he wasn't in the living room when Samuel came into the house. And we know this, that even though he wasn't chosen in his family, God chose him. And some of you might not, might not have a great family pedigree, but God will choose you. The world throws broken people away. God will collect them. God will raise them up. Out of 39 kings, there's only one king that was a priest, that was a prophet, and was a king. It was David. David served the purpose of God in his generation. David was a worshiper. Can I get a good amen? He was chosen, he was anointed, and I was thinking about what made David a winner to kill the Goliath of his day. I believe it's the same thing that we kill Goliath with today. Number one, say with me, the right type of fear. I would say be fearless, but actually I think in some areas we got to be fearful. I want to fear God, and I don't want to fear anything else. Six weeks, an entire nation paralyzed, no action, sitting around, twiddling their fingers, giant taunting them, held an entire nation in ransom to terror. But it was David who said, who is this joker? He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was filled with boldness, with the fear of God. And from heaven, he paralyzed fear before fear paralyzed him. And I'm telling you right now, when I get to heaven, there's only two types of sin. There's a sin of commission and the sin of omission. I refuse to get to heaven and God say, you made more mistakes from the mistakes, the shots you weren't willing to take than missing shots that I asked you to shoot. I believe many men, their greatest mistake is they're too scared to try something new because they're fearful of failure. And the main reason why men are scared to fail because we, we, we care too much about what other men think about us. Problem is, we're competing with guys, most of which we don't know, some of which we don't care about, trying to buy things we can't afford with money we don't have so that we can compete. But I'm telling you that the heart of Jesus is, you know what I want to do? I'm not going to fear men. I'm going to fear God. The fear of man proves to be a snare. But the fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of what? Wisdom. 
We want to be like David. We're going to kill the Goliaths of our family lines. Let's make up our minds that if we're going to fear anything, it's going to be God. I'm not fearing going broke. I'm not fearing trying and failing. I'm more scared of succeeding at not trying than I am at swinging and missing. Let us be a David generation that says, you know what, God? I fear you too much to stay quiet. I fear you too much to not make Jesus a priority in my family. I'm going to be fearful of the right thing. Someone say, be fearless and be fearful of God. Number two is we want to stay faithful. Winners are faithful people. He says, well done, good and what? The greeting of heaven. It does, has nothing to do with your skills. Nothing to do with how much you did or didn't do. It was all about what did you do with what God gave you. Were you faithful? Never Never uh, would have been there if David wasn't trustworthy in the first place. His father entrusted him, taking the supplies to his brothers, brought the bread, brought the cheese. Come on, pizza somebody. He made sure that his sheep had other, other people that were looking after him. He was faithful. And I believe if we're going to be a generation that kills the Goliaths of our family, if we're going to win at what matters, we got to say, God, I don't want to be famous. I want to be faithful. Amen. I want to be faithful. What good is it to win the world and lose your family? I heard someone that was with Billy Graham at the very end of his life, last few months of his life, three or four guys that were there, and he told me through a friend, I heard it secondhand, is I heard Billy Graham said, I, I wonder if I had life to do over again, instead of traveling the earth like I did, if I just would have stayed home and poured my entire life into 12 men. He had a revelation at the end of his life, that you can actually, and I think that he served the, the will of God in his generation. But for someone like Billy Graham to say there's something powerful about pouring your life into those that are closest to you right here. Sometimes we'll go to the nations, but we won't go to the dinner table. Sometimes we'll go on missions trips, but we won't date our wife. I'm telling you, God's looking for a generation that will be faithful. Can I get a good amen? Say faithful. Most people don't kill their Goliaths because, number three, they don't stay focused. Notice how easy it was when his older brother started attacking him, calling him a cocky little prick. What are you doing here? His brothers were mocking him, but they, they tried to distract him from his destiny. I've learned that where your passions, where your experiences, and where your pain collide, that's usually where your, where your calling resides. And God is looking for people that have the right, they have the right passion, leverage their pain and say, God, I have an experience here. I want to focus in on it. Yeah. Notice that they condemned him as arrogant and proudful and proud, yet David had a vision that he could not, he could not deviate from. I got to defeat Hulk Hogan, the great Hulk here, Goliath. Yeah. David was brilliant at presenting the vision to King Saul. He never fought in a national battle. He never was a trained official warrior of the nation. The fate of the entire, listen to me, imagine if America's fate was hinged on one of us. And if the president said, hey, you fight for all of us. David had enough vision and enough confidence in his voice that when he told the king, listen to me, I know I look young. I know I don't have a dad bod or a father figure yet. Still got that 19-year-old six-pack. But listen to me, don't let my youth mistake you. I've killed lions, I've killed bears, and there was enough confidence in his voice. This uncircumcised Philistine 
Come on, you know you're trash talking when you're talking about someone being uncircumcised. <laughs> this devil here. <laughs> Only at a men's event. Could I emphasize that? He's going to be like one of them. David's argument held up enough conviction to compel the king to give the fate of the country to a shepherd boy. Focus and just tell the people that matter around you what God's calling you to do. I want to encourage you, men, if you're going to struggle, always struggle with your spouse. One of the biggest mistakes men make is they try to protect their wives so they stop being honest with their spouse. You're just, if you're discouraged, let her in. If you've slipped up, went back to pornography, or made a mistake, compromised in an area, always struggle with your spouse. I'm telling you that when you tell the wrong people, it'll mess you up. When you tell the right people, you get free. It says you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you. There's something about truth and honesty that travel with our freedom. And I believe that David was focused on killing this giant. And notice that when the wrong person discouraged his destiny... He turned to somebody else, and he said, he asked the same question. Sometimes you'll pour your heart out what God's asking you to do, calling you to do to somebody that's not spiritually minded, and they'll discourage your God-given dream. Here's the advice of David, is that when someone discourages you, don't lose your focus. Find someone else to confide in. and God will lead you to the right place. Can I get an amen? It's a big deal. Number four, how are we going to win, kill these giants? We have to rely on our God-given experiences. David shared his testimony of valor, defeating a lion and a bear. David knew he could do it. That's where conviction comes from. We know it can be done because we have previously done something else that has succeeded. And maybe you haven't defeated the giants of your family, but maybe you have some personal wins that God has led you in and, and through. Sometimes we have the faith to kill the bigger giants by looking at the smaller things that we've done yesterday. I'm, t I'm telling you, I, I knew that God was going to do something special in, in Orange County because I saw God do something special in Boise, Idaho. I thought, dear God, if you could save 18,000 people in a college and a youth ministry in seven or eight years in Idaho, and Idaho has a population of the entire state of like 1.3 million people, what could you do in a county with 3.2 million? What could we do when we're not just reaching eight, like, like, like 13 to 25-year-olds? What could God do if we go after families? I knew God was going to do something special here. Because there was bears and there was lions that God prepared me for in the last season. Some of you, you're fighting a bear or a lion right now. I'm telling you, just don't, don't, don't wait for a big opportunity to do something big. Uh, my mentors told me, they said, Mark, treat small things big. And one day, God will let you do big things and make it feel small. This is the God that we serve. The problem with most men is we, wanna, we want a big opportunity before we prepare in a big way. Before we work in a big way. God says, no, you got to be faithful with little before I give you much. And God is looking for a generation that stays focused and says, God, give me the experience I need to kill these giants. And everyone said, amen. amen. A few more. Are you still with me tonight? I would tell you this. David's, David's, if he was here tonight, he would say, be yourself. Be who God made you to be, but let the anointing of God come over your life. You're not going to preach like Bishop Jake's. 
You're probably not going to lead like John Maxwell. You're probably not going to do a lot of things like other people. But doggone it, when the Spirit of God comes over you, you're going to do something great with you. David tried on the armor. He's like, this doesn't fit. This isn't tested. I've never tested this thing. Many times we fail because we're trying to win in somebody else's game. God's calling you to, to run your own race. Be yourself. Don't be afraid to think outside of the box of convention. There are normal ways to fight a war against a giant. David didn't do that. I know Malcolm, Malcolm, Malcolm Gladwell, brilliant guy, wrote a book about David and Goliath. I agree to disagree with him on some of his points. I think if it was a big deal, he basically said slingers were so accurate they could, they could hurl a stone 300 yards at 200 miles an hour. It was like an accurate gun. And I'm like, if slingers were so accurate and it was so easy to kill a giant with a slingshot, how come no one did it for six weeks? That's my pushback to his argument. But nonetheless, here's my point. As I was thinking about David, David fought the giant on his own terms. David didn't fit in another man's armors, another man's methods, another guy's strategies, didn't put on, the king's armor was too big. We don't let the devil dictate the terms of our battles. Can I get an amen? We fight the enemy on our terms, our turf. This is where our victory is found. God, I'm not going to fight the devil at the bar. I'm going to fight him in the church. I'm going to fight him in the secret place. Are you hearing me right now? I'm not going to drink my problems away. I'm going to pray my problems away. Can I get a good amen up in here? Most people stay in bondage to their Goliaths. Because they, they try to fight the battle in his, his area of expertise. David didn't fight with a sword. He fought with his slingshot. That's what he was familiar with. What is your slingshot? What is the area that God has gifted you in? Some of you are brilliant with numbers. Some of you are so organized. Some of you are so hospitable. Some of you, man, you have this huge pastoral heart. There's just so many gifts represented here tonight. We win in the area of walking into our destiny when we don't try to kill Goliath with somebody else's grace. Be strong in your grace. Paul looked at Timothy and he said, Son, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus on your life. Be who God made you to be with his anointing on your life. Number six, write this down. If we're going to kill our giants, we got to prophesy. What does that mean? That's a spiritual world. Spiritual word. It means this. David spoke to Goliath, and he prophesied what, when, and how he was going to defeat the giant and the entire Philistine army. What are you saying? Instead of speaking about our problems, we need to speak to them. In Jesus Christ's name, I'm not going to get negative. I'm not going to get cynical. I'm not giving up on Christians. I'm not giving up on the church. I'm not giving up on the union of marriage. I'm not giving up on good people in the world because I had one jerk as a server. Are you hearing me right now? Because I had one pastor that was mean or, or crooked. I refuse to let a dark world make me dark. Can I get an amen? And most guys, they don't realize that, that there's always a conversation going on in our heads. The problem is, is the default conversation is usually fear-oriented. We have to be like David and say, no, no, I'm not going to listen to the narrative. I'm going to declare the word of God. 
One of my favorite scholars says, most of what we need in life is given to us because God is good. But most of what we desire in life comes by going after it in prayer. That the promises of God are accessed through going after them. They don't just fall in our laps. We have to fight for the promises of God. Amen. Prophesy. Instead of speaking about our problems, we're going to speak to them. Can I get one more good amen? amen? Even the enemy has an issue with threats and proclamations of victory of their own. They're futile against God's promises for our lives. The word of God prevails over every feeble threat of an already defeated enemy. I love that David told him, he said, no, 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 this is what's going to happen. I'm going to knock you down with a rock, and when you're laying on the ground, I'm going to take your own sword, and I'm going to, I'm going to amputate your head. Can you imagine? Can you imagine yelling that? And I love the fact that the crowd heard it. And this is what I felt like this was prophetic tonight. Is some of you need to declare what God's getting ready to do in your family. And watch as God begins to do it, the assembly of people around you are going to start to believe in God even more. They're going to say, Dad came back and he told me he's going all in. And now that I see him doing it, I want to go all in too. You know, they say that if a father goes after God with all of his heart, there's like an 85% chance that everybody else in the family will serve God. Mom goes after God, there's like a 20% chance that everybody else will serve God. There's something about men when, as fathers, we make up our minds to go, you know what, I'm telling you, I'm going after God. Someone needs to declare tonight, you know what, I know I've been cynical, I know I've lost some confidence, I know I have some scars. I know I made some mistakes, but I'm tired at winning at what doesn't matter. Tired at winning at being cynical. Tired of competing in the Olympics of who's the biggest victim. I want to be an overcomer. You read the book of Revelations to the church that overcomes. He's not coming back for victims. He's coming back for overcomers. Can I get one good hay up in this place? We need to prophesy to our future. Last two, can I give them to you tonight? We need to make sure that what we do in life, we do for God. What is your motive for winning? I don't think winning is bad as long as our motive is godly. Paul said that to desire the office of a bishop, that's a good desire. But he says, what do you desire? Why do you desire it? Why, why do we desire to be great? David's motivation was a jealousy for the honor of Yahweh. That's what fired him up. Look, you talk, about, you talk about my job, talk about my car, you talk about my house, but you keep my God's name out your mouth. And many people don't realize that they're fighting for the wrong cause because they're trying to build their castle. They're not interested in building God's kingdom. And I want you to know that our lives will be here today and they'll be gone tomorrow. All the wise men that I get advice from, they say, Mark, I was, I'm too young to be this old. That was a joke. They said life went by way too fast. They're like, I was, just, I was just 35 yesterday. Now they're in their 80s, 70s. Life goes by like this. And I'm convinced that many people, they're, they're trying to do something great for the temporary, but we're not giving any weight to what matters for eternity. I want to do what I do and let it be motivated for an honor for God. I love this. David's aim was to bring glory to God. 
Let it be said that in our businesses, our motive for winning is to bring glory to God. Let it be said the way that we honor our wife is to bring glory to God. The way that we raise our kids up and speak life over our children. Let it be said that we're doing it to bring glory to God. Too many people are doing great things, trying to kill giants to make their name great. Not to make God's name great. God's name's already great, but motives do matter. Can I get an amen? We'll wrap this up. Number eight, don't hesitate. I think the number one reason why most guys never kill their Goliaths, why the reason why most dysfunction in family goes from father to son, son to father, father to son, son to father, is because somewhere along the way, we believe the age-old lie, I'll deal with it later. I'll stop drinking later. I'll stop lying later. I'll, I'll get honest later. I'll deal with it later. I believe one of the greatest enemies of freedom in our families is procrastination. I'll be honest. I remember before I was a Christian, when I was a kid, I knew that God was out there somewhere. And I remember strategically as a kid, I thought, man, I'm going to save my negotiation with God until something bad happens in life. Like mom gets sick with cancer, something bad happens, then I'll say, God, if you heal my family, then I'll serve you the rest of my life. I remember thinking that, I remember thinking that logically as a kid. It's interesting that uh, I also had a thought, if that doesn't happen, I'll wait to the end of my life to really give God my whole heart. Because I want to party. I was worried about losing my virginity before Y2K. Come on, somebody. I thought the Lord was coming back. Y2K. I wasn't a Christian yet. Come on, stay with me. I was so worried. I'm like, man, I want to party. I want to live crazy. I want to I wanna achieve. And if I really serve God, I'm going to miss out on some of the, of, of the good stuff. It wasn't until I became a preacher, started pastoring football players at Boise State that were on Sports Center the night before, famous in our cities, signing these huge contracts right after they left Boise, wasn't until I started pastoring pro athletes that I realized we actually do have the greatest news on the earth. I watched guys that went to strip clubs, had models as girlfriends, signing huge contracts, buying mansions, on television, famous. Wasn't until I started pastoring these guys that I realized, really in my heart, that we actually do have the greatest news on the earth. That what the NFL couldn't give them, 10 girlfriends couldn't give them, the drugs couldn't give them. I saw athlete after athlete respond to messages just like this. Get up at the end of the service crying like a baby. Coming up to me afterwards, hugging me with snot still running down their face. Saying the same things. I've looked everywhere for what I found here tonight. I know I have the greatest news in the world. I know that Jesus satisfies in a way that nothing else does. Can I get an assembly hey up in here? So why would you hesitate to give God everything? Greatest part of the story is it says after the trash talk was over, David ran. Ran at a nine-foot human being. Giant. Killer, champion, ran him, ran at him. I was thinking, man, this is wild. He ran right down. I love that David in the Bible was always captured as running. 
One of my favorite psalms is Psalms 18:29. It says, with God, I can, I can leap over a wall. With God, I can run against a troop. Leap over a wall. It's interesting that the life of David was always connected to vaulting a wall. Catches my attention. He's running towards the giant. He's coming towards a stone wall. Without hesitation, he's leaping over the wall, going onward, running towards Goliath, running from Saul, pursuing God, going after Jonathan, rounding the stray of the sheep. Whatever David did in his life, he did it without hesitation, and he did it running. And I was thinking, man, when I get to heaven, I don't want to get there walking. I want to get there running. And I want to get there number nine. As someone that wins at what matters, I want to kill the Goliaths of my, of my family by finishing the task well. Complete the task. 2 Timothy 4, 7, one of the greatest, I would say one of the best closure statements of the Bible. Paul says, I fought the good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. Three hardest things to do in life over a long, long period of time is to keep fighting the good fight. Notice, he doesn't say, I danced the good dance. I sang the good song. When it comes to serving God over decades, it's a fight. Why is it a fight? Because society's trying to pull your faith away from you. Hollywood's trying to pull your faith away from your kids. Social media's trying to distract us. Idols everywhere. Distractions everywhere. It's a fight to stay focused. Paul says, I've lived a good life and I fought. Good lives are fought for. If it was easy to have a good, good life, everyone would have one. If it was easy to have a strong marriage and godly kids and to serve God for seven decades without any scandals, everybody would do it. But he fought the good fight. He finished his race. I love the fact that he says, it was my race. We got people winning other people's races. I'm not trying to win your race. I'm trying to win my race. Lastly, I kept... The what? The faith. I would say in this era of time, more people are losing their faith. They haven't kept it. Well, I saw something negative about the church. I lost my faith in the church. Then I lost my faith in tacos, okay? Because I've been to Jack in a Box a couple times, and some of them, someone didn't wash their hands very well. And I got food poisoning. I would never give up on tacos because some one dummy... Are you hearing me right now? Just like you would never give up on food. Well, I got food poisoning. I'm never going to eat again. No, you're going to eat again. You're just going to be a little bit more cautious. Come on, somebody. Especially on a missions trip. I packed my own beef jerky. Finish the task. Time is more precious than gold. We can't waste time. Can't hesitate. David said, teach me to number my days that when I get a heart of wisdom. I don't know the secret to success, but I do know the secret of failure. It's trying to please everybody else except God. I don't necessarily know the secret sauce of winning, but I do know the secret sauce of losing. It's living a life for everybody except God. I would say the fastest way to dissatisfaction is to give your best to something other than Jesus. Jesus is not good with your second place trophy, your bronze medal. 
We serve a God that only wants gold. He wants the gold of your heart. He wants the gold of your priorities. He wants the gold of your time. He wants the gold in your marriage, your children. Are you hearing me tonight? Can I get an assembly? Hey. God wants the gold. In the temple, they only made things out of pure gold. The ark, pure gold. Seraphim, cherubim, pure gold. Everything in the utensils, pure gold. Whatever's closest to God must be gold. Why? Because even the Olympics teaches this. The gold represents number one. God can't be number two. God is a horrible wingman because he's never made to be the wingman. He's the center. And I was thinking about, man, there's too many guys I have a burden for tonight. You're winning in a lot of areas. But the, the, the truth is, there's a dissatisfaction or there's actually a frustration right now because somewhere along the way, God got pushed out of that number one spot or he's never been the number one spot. And I want to tell you tonight, you can get through this life, 10,000 square foot house, all your toys, marry a model, have a cute little family, put your kids to the best universities, and guess what? Get to eternity and hear great research, exceptional writing, great marriage, beautiful kids, incredible business, great F, wrong assignment. I don't want to win at what doesn't matter. God's asking us tonight, will we serve God in our generation? So I want to fear God. I want to be fearless. I want to stay faithful. Can I get an amen? I want to live focused. I want God to give me good experiences to train me for battle. I want to be the, the person that God made me to be. I want to speak God's life over my future. I want my, my motivation to be God-centric. And I don't want to hesitate when God tells me to act. I'm going to do it now. Don't do tomorrow what God says you can do today. Do it now. Some of you need to do business with God tonight. You've done business with your financial planner. You've done business with your partner. You've talked to your attorney but you've never had a serious conversation with God. How crazy is that? That you're obsessed over retirement, but not over eternity? I feel the heart of God saying, let's take eternity even more serious than we take retirement. Amen? So here's my prayer. I just feel like, here's the good news. When David stood up, when David spoke up, all the assembly, they stood up. They shouted, they raised their voice, they ran, and they plundered their enemies. And I had this picture as we were worshiping tonight as we were singing that. Isn't there something cool about a bunch of guys just singing a song? That baritone goodness, just rattling the rafters in here. We were singing that, and I just thought, man, when every one of us become the David of our family, so cool. Our kids grow up, they're like, who was Goliath, Dad? Who was that? You didn't know Goliath? Well, actually, my, my grandpa, he was a chain smoker before the band came out. He smoked more than a chimney and drank a 24-pack a day, cussed like a sailor, was a fisherman. And I'm telling you, my kids don't know what that life looks like. They don't know that Goliath. Because someone in their, in their family lineage said, we're going to do a new, we're going to do it a different way. Amen. 
So let's wrap this up tonight. I just want to ask you a question tonight. You want to win, not for 80, 90 years. I want to win for eternity. How do you win in eternity? You put God first. I want to be fearless, faithful, and focused on what really matters. Would you stand your feet tonight? Wrap this up. They said I have until 1030, but I want to finish a little bit before that. I want to pray for you tonight. Can we just do this? How many here tonight say, you know, Mark, honestly, God, I'm grateful for life, but I just, I feel like I'm winning in some areas that maybe don't matter very much, but I'm losing in some areas that really do matter. I would love it tonight if you pray for me. I want to win in the areas that God values. I repeat, I want to win in the areas that God values. What does God value? People that forgive. What does God value? People that know how to worship. What does God value? People that are generous, kind. People that are actually involved in building the kingdom, the church. How would I say, you know, I just feel like the, Lord, the Lord's asked me tonight to maybe turn some things, change some directions, change some mindsets. How many tonight say, I just feel like something in this message hit a chord in my heart that I actually want to, I want to fear God, not failure. I want to stay faithful. I want to be focused. Is, is some of these pop, pop into your heart? Just lift your hands right now. I just feel like I, I want God to get me ready with the lions and the bears for the Goliaths. I don't want to fight with someone else's weapons. I want to be who God made me to be. I want to start speaking God's word over my problems, over the giants. I want to prophesy. How many say I want my motives to be God-honoring? I was at lunch with my friend Cody today, and we were just hanging out. So proud of Cody, though. This guy, this Friday will be two years since he's been a Christian. Gave his life to Jesus two years ago in this church. In two years, his wife's come to faith. His kids have come to faith. He's in small group. He's leading small groups. He's a phenomenal businessman. He wouldn't want me to tell you this, but I mean, Co Cody was one of the guys that said, Mark, I want to help finance, baptize SoCal. Maybe you won't get his treasure here on this side of eternity, but I'm telling you, there's people in this room that are saying, I am doing what I'm doing in my career for the kingdom of God. I'm not just trying to make my name great. I want to build the kingdom. I want to do it for God. Is that you? Just lift your hands. You say, Mark, what was the areas of me tonight? Someone tonight, you just feel like your heart's beating out of your chest. Like, man, I gotta make, I need to do business with God tonight. I'm not gonna wait till something bad happens. I'm not gonna wait till my deathbed to get right with Jesus, to get planted in a church. Stop making excuses. Stop hesitating. This is the day of salvation. This is the day you get right with God. This is the day that you change your family. If Brad Otto can do what he's done to his family, what could God do to your family? I am convinced. This marks the beginning of a new season, a new chapter. We're not going to be in bondage any longer. Come on, you believe in give him a good hand clap tonight. I'm not a victim. I'm an overcomer in Jesus' name. Dad or Grandpa didn't kill Goliath. I'm killing Goliath. We're going to bless those that curse us. We're going to be kind to those that misuse us. We're going to offer forgiveness and grace and mercy. I've been forgiven much, so I'm going to forgive others. I'm going to make a place in my heart that God can sit in. 
I refuse sleep to my eyes, slumber to my eyelids, until I make a place for my God to dwell in. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. If you would say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here, lift your hands tonight. Come on, if you would say, as for me in my house, we're going to serve God from here out. You might be a sinful person, might have a messed up background, but you can make one choice to begin to win at what matters. Jesus, you're welcome here. You're welcome here. Come on, put your hands up like you mean it. You're welcome here. Holy Spirit, come in tonight. We invite you to clean us and wash us. We turn from darkness. We turn from dysfunction. We turn from our own wicked ways. And we declare that God, you are our God. Come on, some men in this place say, God, like to mean it. God, you are my God. Earnestly will I seek you. I turn from evil. I turn from darkness. I turn from the error of my own way. And I declare tonight, Jesus, be my Lord. Jesus, be my Savior. As for me, as for my house, we're serving God. We're serving God. We're serving God. We're serving God. Come on, let's, let's give a worship and a praise.
God, tonight we just, we invite you into our families. We invite you, Lord, to make us the men. Make us the grandfathers and dads. Make us the sons, Lord, that would represent you well. I ask you, Lord, to remove the poison. Some of you have been bit by snakes. Some of you have been accused by giants. But I ask in Jesus' name that no hex, no vex, no curse without a cause shall alight. We declare no weapon formed against God's sons shall prosper. We are blessed. And when Balaam tried to curse, all he could do was bless. Come on, say, I am blessed. Come on, declare over your family, we are blessed. My name is blessed. I declare tonight that the Francis are blessed. Come on, say your last name. I declare tonight, come on, your last name, that the Francis are blessed. We're blessed. Come on, say it, we're blessed. We're friends of God. We're the people of God. I'm a child of God. Blessed. I just want to do this as we get ready to wrap up. Just two quick things. You're here tonight. There's just been some giants, daunting giants, just terrorizing your family. Might be a lawsuit. It might be a tough situation right now with your wife or your kids. There's a Goliath that's taunting your family. And I just felt like tonight, doggone it, we're going to win. We have the victory, and the victory is our faith. It's our faith. It's our faith. It's our ability to believe God for the impossible. We have the victory, and the victory is our faith. Tonight, you're facing a giant. I say giant, and like it pops immediately into your head. You know what it is. I want you to lift your hand tonight. We're going to invite God to fight the battle for us. We're going to invite God to fight the battle for us. We're going to invite God to fight the battle for us. Come on, a lot of men with the hands up all over this place. Come on, if you're really serious, put both hands towards heaven tonight. I want you to invite the Lord right now. Say, Jesus, I invite you. The battle belongs to the Lord. We have the victory because the battle belongs to you. Holy Spirit, I ask you to fight. I ask you to win. Push back the forces of the enemy. Plunder the enemy's camp. Victory, breakthrough, light, hope, faith, love in Jesus Christ's name. You believe you receive something right now? Come on. You believe God's fighting for you? Come on, give him 10 second hand clap and a shout. an eviction notice right now eviction notice right now in Jesus name how many tonight you just feel like Mark I just I listen to Brad's story and I know as a father or as a grandfather maybe as a son you're gonna be the one in your family that says I, I need right now tonight you've already prayed these prayers you feel God moving in your heart but you need yourself to know that tonight is the beginning of the new chapter of my life I'm not saying you're, 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 you're a failure. I'm not saying that you've messed up terribly. I'm just saying you know in your heart 
that you want to start winning at what matters. I want to serve the purpose of God in my family, in my generation. If you need to make that decision to go all the way in, I'm not asking if you go to church, I'm asking you, are you living fully surrendered for God's plan and a relationship for your life? That's you, hearts beating all over the room, that's you. So why don't you lift your hands, eyes closed, no one's looking. I wanna go all in tonight. I've been one foot in, one foot out. My wife would say I'm one foot in, one foot out. Come on, put up real high, don't be scared. You're in a room full of men that love God. You're in a room full of men that love God. I see like five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, come on man, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, come on. Can I get a hay up in this place? All right, God's moving. Come on, with those 20 men, I want the rest of the assembly to pray this. Say, Jesus, tonight, I ask you to be number one. Show me how to make you the most important part of my life, my marriage, my family, my business, and my ministry. Holy Spirit, fill me, heal me, save me. Lead me to you. In Jesus' name. Jesus, that's beautiful tonight. Come on, can you celebrate with those 20 guys? Give God a good hand clap and a shout.